Hey everybody, it's Sean Mills with Hack My Homestead, and today is Monday, February 20th, 2023. Today we're going to have a conversation about pumping water with solar and whether that's a good idea or not. We'll get right into it. The question came to me through the expert council um, questions that I answer for the Survival Podcast. And the question was, should I use solar to pump water about a half of a mile to my house where I have, an, uh, I have a cistern uh, from where I plan to put a well in because the option of putting a well close to the house creates a lot of concerns because of previous uh, oil wells on the facility in the area. And basically the guy said, look, I want to be able to pump water into these cisterns rather than haul them in, which is what the current owner is doing. The current owner is hauling water in to top off those cisterns. He's got 16,000 gallons of storage, so that's a significant amount. And he's looking for a way to get water from a stream uh, that's about half a mile from where the cistern is. Uh, where his well driller said, look, I can go into this bank on this oxbow of the uh, stream and I can definitely put a well in that, you, that should be good for you. And you don't have to worry about, you know, all those things that would be in the water if you drilled closer to the house. The only problem is it's half a mile away. So a couple things to consider there. One is if we were to try to power it from the house, we would obviously have to run a half mile of electrical cable out there to um, to power the pump. The other thing is, is that in a half mile long pipe, we're gonna have just basically internal resistance in that pipe. And that's a lot of water sitting in the pipe. And so in order to put one more gallon of water in the pipe, you have to push all of the water that's in the pipe over a foot, right? And so uh, it's it's just, it's a lot of work. Um, and I definitely like the fact that he's looking at this saying, look, running power from the house out there for this is not a good idea. Running solar out there and pumping it to the house is potentially a good idea. And it allows us to have some solar on the property. So we get started with a little solar project. And with solar, the first project is always the hardest. Once you understand how easily the components go together and you understand how to safely put them together so that you're not creating a hazard for yourself, well, like I say, every project after the first one is is much, much easier. So I like all of that. Um, he's in western or central western Montana. And so I think that means he's on the west side of the state in the middle. And he did not tell me how high the actual uh, elevation, you know, changes from the water source to where he's sending it. So are we pumping this uphill or are we pumping this level or are we pumping this downhill? That's an important thing to consider because every foot of... Um, a vertical height that you gain, uh, so that means a, a foot that you have to pump the water uphill, uh, adds additional PSI that the pump has to overcome. So 
There's a lot of things to consider there. What I told him was, I thought the best option would probably be rainwater catchment at the house, feeding directly into the cistern, potentially adding more cisterns, right? So the idea there is, instead of having something that could potentially go wrong half a mile away, why don't we put all of the things that we need to use in the same spot? And that means that he could have, um, for the cost of putting in this half mile pipe and pump and insulated building and drilling a well, right? Because there's also the cost of drilling the actual well. Uh, for the cost of that, he could potentially put in, you know, a 5,000 square foot pole barn with 5,000 square foot of roof that would collect 3,000 gallons at, for every inch of rain. Uh, he could potentially add some additional cisterns. So take that storage from 16,000, maybe up to 32,000 gallons. And the easy thing to, to do when you're trying to figure out how much storage do I need is you take your average monthly rainfall for your for where you are, for where your location is, and where the um, where the calculation is being applied to, and then you take your family's daily usage, and you can multiply the daily usage by the number of um, by the number of days in the month. So let's just say there's 30 days in the month, and you use 100 gallons a day. That would mean that over the course of that month, you would draw your water supply down by 3,000 gallons. So then you take that and you're going to divide that by your monthly rainfall for that 30-day month. So let's just say that in that month, historically, you get three inches of rain. So we're going to take our 3,000 gallons and we're going to divide it by three inches of rain for that month and find that we need to collect uh, 1,000 gallons per rainfall event. So then we take that number and divide it by 0 0.6, 0.6. That will give us the amount of square foot that we need of roof in order to collect that 1,000 gallons per inch of rain. So in this scenario where we need 1,000 gallons, we divide that by 0.6, we get 1,666.666667, okay? So Let's just say 1,670 gallons for purposes of, of our conversation. So that would be the, or I mean, six, 1,670 square feet. So that would be the minimum number of square feet that you would need to collect enough rainfall so that you can basically collect slightly more water than you're going to use in that specific month. So some months, you're gonna have higher usage and you can actually build out a calculator for this in, in like Microsoft Excel where it will tell you, okay, you can start, let's say you start with 5,000 gallons in your cistern. Here's every month, here's how many days are in the month and here's your daily usage. You could write out a spreadsheet that will tell you, here's the minimum amount of storage that you need to never run out of water. And here's the nice thing is if you make it in Excel, you can say, Okay, but in every every year, whatever my rainiest month is, I actually want to be able to pull out all of my water, clean my system from top to bottom, spray it out, and 
and, and not right, not have no water. Right. Um, and so in Linden where our off grid homestead is, we have 1,550 gallons of water that is from the roof. We have an additional 550 gallons of storage in IBC totes. And we actually take the water out of the big cistern and put it into an IBC tote and then pump it into the house from the IBC tote. So the cistern becomes what we call the settling tank. The water runs off the roof. It goes into the tank. The floaties float and the non-floaties sink to the bottom. And we draw our water from about four inches up off of that uh, bottom into an IBC. And then the IBC is what we actually pull the water from. The reason we do that is, number one, it gives us better water quality so our sediment filters last longer. But number two, it means that if there's a problem with the system, if something breaks, I don't have all my water run up the bottom of the, of, of the, of the uh, tank, okay? Because uh, that has actually happened. We have had a freeze that froze the pipe running in between the cistern and the IBC. And luckily, uh, I was able to discover the crack before the ice plug uh, thawed out and all of our water came out of the bottom of the cistern. So um, we designed it for that. And then it actually, um, you know, it did the job. So if we had had that, um, if we'd had that ball valve at the bottom of the cistern open, once that ice plug had thawed out, all of our water would have leaked out of both sides. Um, both of the IBCs and the cistern are have um, ball valves to close access. So can, we, can, we can work on uh, any one or any two of the three or isolate any one or isolate any two of the three um, however we need to. So we designed the system that way. So uh, anyways... We collect the, the rainwater, we pump it into the IBC tote, and then that goes into the house. Um, we use a jet pump, so it's like a one-tenth horsepower uh, shallow well pump to pressurize the system in the house. To We have our pressure switch set at 30 and 50 PSI. So when we get down to 30 PSI in the system, the pump kicks on. When we get to 50, it kicks off. And from there, we... Pump it up into the house through sediment filters and, and, um, and uh, you know, then we also have a Berkey filter in the house that we use. So that's our system. Um, and, and one of the nice things about the IBC totes is that we did that calculation that I just mentioned and determined that in November we can empty the cistern into the IBCs. So that leaves us with 550 gallons. We can go in and we can use... Half of that, so one one uh, IBC worth of water to actually clean out the inside of the cistern with a pressure washer. And then once that is clean, we give it a day or so to dry. And then we open everything back up. And in November, where we are not, uh, we are not um, irrigating, we're not, we don't have uh, gardens that we're watering, and we get a lot of rainfall, that works out really well. We and we have the other thing is is typically Thanksgiving we spend in Georgia with family. So November just worked out to be the month where we can empty that whole system 
and it can recharge itself from the rain in that month enough to where we never have a problem. So something to consider, uh, having one big mega cistern is nice, but if you have a problem, that problem is now a problem for all of your life. You know, so if some animal crawls in there and dies and you don't find it for a couple of weeks, um, well, all of your water is now contaminated. And so you could definitely treat the water. Um, you know, that's not to say that, oh my gosh, I've got to dump 32,000 gallons of water because a, a mouse died. Uh, you can definitely treat that water and it's, you know, it's safe. It's just as safe as any other water that you would have access to once it's, once the things that are potentially bad in it are killed. Um, but the idea that you could say, oh, you know what, let's flip over and use the other cistern. We'll treat cistern A and we will wait and maybe in a couple of uh, months we will, uh, you know, flip over to using that cistern once we kind of feel good about it and, you know, we've forgotten that floating mouse that we found in there. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, the point is, is that I think this guy might be better off by just having rainwater collection and using that to fill up, top off, or, or to fill up a separate cistern. And uh, if he did that, I have to imagine that he would be fine. I don't know how large this person's family is, what sort of gardening or livestock they're, they're going to be supporting off of this cistern, but I can tell you that you know, 2,000 gallons is plenty for our family of four with goats and chickens and ducks and dogs and cats. And so I have to imagine that, uh, and, and I will say, not all of the animals are being uh, served from that. And we also have well, a deep well. Uh, so in the event that we have a, uh, a drought, we can fill that cistern up from the well water. So... Uh, that is a little bit of redundancy that we have built into our system. But, ooh, 16,000 gallons, that's a lot of water. Um, now, they say that if you're, you know, that generally everyone uses something like 50 gallons of water a day, but they don't have to. I can tell you that as someone that's lived off, of grid, off the grid, uh, you absolutely do not need 50 gallons of water a day to do your cooking, your cleaning, personal hygiene, doing your dishes, doing your laundry, etc. Um, and as a matter of fact, the washing of yourself and your dishes and your clothes, all of that water can be recycled into irrigation water. So uh, another thing to think about if you're trying to design sort of a closed loop system. Uh, but with all that being said, let's flip over to talk about what he would need to actually do that pump. So assuming he's got, he does not have a significant amount of head that he's got to head meaning elevation rise that he's got to pump this water across then you know something around between a half to one horsepower i think would be the right size pump and again you you don't have to have a pump that's going to drive pressure in that system uh, the pressure part of the job happens after the water is in the cistern but another thing to think about is this pump is just pretty much going to be on most of the time. Uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to have a float valve, uh, down at the cistern with a half mile long, uh, wire to turn the pump on and off. Uh, you're probably going to say, okay, now that we have the pump installed and we have the solar panels installed and we've got the battery bank and the inverter, 
now that we have that, let's flip this thing on and let's see how many gallons per minute we actually get at the cistern. And then we can say, okay, we can do a couple of things. One thing would be um, we could set this pump up to run at a certain time every day for a certain amount of time and then kick off. The other thing that we could do is we could say run until the batteries are down to 80% and then kick off, right? So we could actually utilize the low voltage cutoff uh, on the battery to determine when the pump is on. But the reality is, is there's going to be times when the pump is on and the cistern is full and you're literally just pumping water into the cistern to overflow into whatever overflow system you have set up. Uh, there's no way around that unless you're going to take that half mile trip every day to, you know, mess with the inverter and figure out whether you want it on or not. And in that event, if you're going to drive out there every day, well, it would be a better idea to put a little wellhouse in and to figure out how much you're, you know, maybe take an IBC tote, put it on a trailer, drive that out a half a mile, fill it up with water, come back, put that in your cistern, Right. Why would you have a solar system and a half a mile of pipe that could burst? That's got to have to be trenched into a, a, you know, Michigan ground, or rather Montana ground, when you could just simply go out there and get water and bring it back every day. You're going to go every day. So, um, so again, you know, these are the things that you need to be considering. And apparently, this property is great. They love the property. The only issue is there's no water that they have close to the property. So they either have to catch it when it falls out of the sky. They have to go into town and get it and bring it back and fill the cistern up, or they've got to do this half mile pumping job. But the pumping job's not a big deal. You're talking about 1500 watts, probably of solar panels, a couple batteries, an inverter, charge controller, maybe even an all-in-one, maybe add one more panel and do an all-in-one system. Uh, this just, it makes it easier uh, to use and it, you know, solar panels are relatively cheap. If, you, if you're, if you've got enough money to run a half mile of pipe and drill a 30 foot well, uh, a half mile away from your house, you definitely have the money to buy one extra solar panel so that you have five instead of four. And the reason why I say that is those all in one systems use a lot of their own energy, um, just to operate, right? They, they take, you know, 80, 90 watts per, you know, all the time, 24 seven, um, just to be on to run the functions that they have to run being a system that is a inverter, it's a charger, it's a charge controller for solar, uh, MPPT, all of that stuff. So, um, so the project is not hard. It will be expensive, not the solar part, but the other part. And it just seems to me like there's a lot of other options. So since I'm limited in uh, the amount of time I'll, I can do an expert counsel question on the survival podcast, I decided to do a bit of a longer uh, podcast answer for you guys uh, to cover the same topic. So with that being said, if you got questions, comments, concerns, if you need help with a system that you're putting in, you can email me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com. I will be speaking at Self-Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee on March 24th and 25th. Well, the event's 24th and 25th. I think I'm just speaking the second day. But a lot of like-minded uh, folks will be in there. Off-grid is the actual theme of the event. So there's a lot of off-grid 
communications, off-grid living uh, type of presenters that are going to be there. I will also be manning a booth. I am one of the sponsors for the Self-Reliance Festival. Uh, so I have my booth set up and anyone that shows up and says that they heard me talk about Self-Reliance Festival on the podcast will get $75 off a consultation with me. So if you have me do a full system design for you, um, you can actually save the price of an early bird ticket if you come to SRF and we sign up to do the work together there at the event. Well, with that being said, like I said before, I'm going to kick off for the day and uh, send me emails if you have questions and we'll talk to you next time.